0: Hello, Aaron. Hi. So I have a few topics in front of me. Do you have anything to kick off the recording with?
1: A mm, couple, one really short one. Okay. I, I just no- noticed that finally, after 70 years, <laughs> I, I'm almost able to touch type. Oh. You know, uh, I don't, I mean, I still look. There's no reason not to when mm. I'm, you know, when I'm um, typing out of my own head. But uh, what I'm finding is that uh, I'm not really paying attention to it. it uh, I, I I do sometimes, but a lot of, a lot of stuff just uh, is falling there. I don't really have to pay much attention. And, and that's just a couple of minutes ago was the first time it, I sort of looked at that and had that feeling because mm. I've always uh, well. Looking at the keyboard is not a problem when you're writing original stuff anyway, so it's it's never really been an issue for me. You know, if you're a typist and you're trying to copy type, then that's a big problem. You know, so anyway, it's just uh, it's nice to realize that <laughs> my brain is actually still making some progress here. You know, <laughs>
0: 1991, Ralph Waldo Emerson Junior High. My father was at UCLA and I had to go to summer school at Ralph Waldo Emerson. I took a creative writing course. Can't think of the fellow. What year name. was this? 1991. Okay. However, I took a touch typing course with uh, Miss Jones. On
1: a typewriter?
0: On a typewriter. Miss <laughs> Jones was a Southern black woman. She took no nonsense. I sat up straight with all the other folk and we had to put pieces of paper over the keyboard. So we couldn't actually see the keyboard.
1: Yeah, right.
0: And I think in order to pass, we needed to type at 60 words.
1: Wow. With what percent accuracy?
0: Uh, I think we were allowed 5% errors, which seems remarkably high. Maybe yeah, well, just, but um, still,
1: for that's still – Yeah. yeah for, that, so, you know, that's school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think I was probably the only – maybe there was one other male student in the class, and it was my introduction to American education. Yeah. Um, Kessler. Kessler was the creative writing teacher. He wore Hawaiian shirts. Very easy going. Basically, yeah, it was a very, that was a very easy one. But the typing was no joke. We got there at 8am and we typed solidly for about an hour and a half.
1: Well, that's, that's the game.
0: (laughs) He's talking
1: about it's fucking irrelevant. Yeah.
0: And it was interesting because I guess I could type without looking at the keyboard previously, but this was very no nonsense. Yeah. And from that point on, I rarely look at the keyboard. I occasionally, when I'm really tired, go off by one character, which is almost instantaneously you're aware that yeah, this yeah, is that's going not right. Wrong.
1: Doesn't feel right. You but
0: know. Um, when I came to this back to this country, so let me let me ask you. So. Mm-hmm. W- what I'm doing
1: when I'm looking is I'm monitoring with my eyes. It sounds to me like what you're saying is that you're actually doing your monitoring with your hands, with mm. your fingers, mm. that, 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 that the eyes really aren't necessary. You know when you're wrong and you can feel it. It mm. doesn't even feel right, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. For a period of time, I tried typing one-handed and tried to increase my accuracy as well. It's a bit mm. more difficult. When I came to this country, software engineers were being paid less than technical writers. And because Las Vegas didn't have a clue, I went into a local job thing for technical writers. And at that time, I was typing comfortably at a 100 words a minute and almost, almost Mm. got to like 110, 120. But my accuracy just wasn't there for me to confidently do it. I think I got it to 110 after about three hours. Uh, yeah, of see, second.
1: I've always uh, seen the keyboard as an obstacle mm. th- to getting my ideas I, out. I feel exactly you know?
0: the same thing. I mean, now I have oh. Dragon Dictate. I don't think I would ever go back to the keyboard again. Oh, really? Like in, like, in, in terms of, like, solidly writing. Because the thing is,
1: I talk differently than I write. Yeah. Do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you just talk the way you would write. I yeah, exactly.
0: Guess, right? yeah. It's just a simple confusion. Well, and, and you still have
1: to edit though, right? You I do. mean, you edit using the keyboard, right? Well,
0: I'm, I actually typically do three or four pages and then go back and edit it, which is a slowdown point, true. But yeah. I'd normally have to do that anyway, even if I typed it. No, but what I'm
1: saying is you read. have to do that with the keyboard,
0: right? uh you can use the text editor but i've had problems with drag and doing serious editing and i just use the keyboard for yeah you
1: know, i mean i yeah. think that would be a better way to do it
0: probably yeah. Yeah. but you're talking about speed here in terms of what you do when you talk text is that you give yourself a broad outline that you're working to you go back you might fill in some of the details but it's just a completely different experience
1: you know you're right i'm struggling with this i mean I've got to put some stuff out. Yes, you know, and uh, and that means PDFs basically mm-hmm. and video, but mm-hmm. you know, at least PDFs. Yeah, and I, you know, it's just always been a struggle for me. Uh, at least it's easy when I get in front of a group of people to just talk and interact and and follow the thread, you know. Yeah. But when I have to sort of lay it out there, uh, I'm still still really stuck at that point, you yeah. know. Now, uh, writing, reading, speaking, and hearing.
0: <laughs> Certainly. It's mm-hmm. an important thing, though. I mean, I think the written word... I mean, you and I have lamented at, at various points in our conversations, but I think there's still a group of people that utilise the written word, and in particular, although we may talk a little bit more in condescending fashion associated with the broader media, and some very curious things have come out in the news this week. I didn't even have them in my notes, but there was a case where a fellow who I guess was a senior in high school strangled to death his girlfriend and then portrayed this, that this was rough sex had at the prom. And that was his like explanation in the media, which which I found absolutely astonishing.
1: Well, well, he's just saying what happened.
0: Well, (laughs) the nature of these things is you'd need to be, and he might be incredibly stupid, but you need to be incredibly stupid to suffocate someone well, maybe he was incredibly inebriated, as well. Well, it,
1: it, all yeah. sorts of things. What's Turned th- on, uh, drunk, on drugs, yeah. stupid, you know, What's fucking like th- th-
0: monkey. But he was drunk and he basically suffocated the woman, like by falling on. her.
1: Strangled her, you yeah. mean? Yeah, okay. Not I mean suffocation implies something a little no, bit. No no, no no
0: no no no. He fell on her. He was a big fat actor and he fell on her and she couldn't get it. Oh out oh him. he
1: didn't actually like strangle no, her. No, no.
0: Fatty Arbuckle was just inebriated, fell on top of her and she suffocated. This guy actually uh, put she his, was
1: so what, uh, too drunk
0: to I don't know. It was you know, we're talking nineteen thirties here, but you and know this, but oh. this kid who did it, you know, in the past week
1: well, no, that's what I'm asking, this kid, the same thing you're saying. Is well, no, he- no, no, he strangled strangle. her.
0: He put his hands around her throat during yeah. sex. And? And killed her. Well, that, what does that have to do with falling on somebody? I'm talking about the act. The, the other example that I gave was ah. a fatty arbuckle. Okay, all right, all right. My, yeah, I understand. I'm, I'm trying to find previous accounts of strangulation ah. or suffocation, and that was well, one. I,
1: well, I there one, like. there's a big difference there, though. I mean, that r- intention has something to do with This it. is
0: where it gets very interesting. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of suggestion in the media that strangulation is part of a new. Well, I mean, every every You know, 10 or 20 years, there's a new strangulation fetish that is is spoken about. Yeah,
1: well, David Carradine, or one of those actors.
0: The NXS guy. Yeah, uh, there's
1: several people apparently uh,
0: are into that. Yeah. But they're all with ropes. They're actually like hanging themselves. Yeah. Well,
1: when you're doing it, well, yeah, I guess there's a lot of options in that game. Certainly. Yeah, and, and and doing it to yourself, of course, is very different than doing it to somebody else. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, That's not quite the
0: same. It's an interesting defense, really, that oh, well, that I was just defense? experimenting. No, that's his defense. This is what he's running with in that, the media.
1: That, okay, that's their story. I mean, that I wouldn't call that a, that's an admission of guilt. That's well, an explanation.
0: It's curious <laughs> that the media even runs with this nonsense, but obviously it's a self Well, that's, his so you, you gotta,
1: that's your story. So you gotta
0: that's his story. Yes. <laughs> Do you have another topic this evening?
1: Um You mentioned uh, a movie called Dear Zachary. Yes. Yeah, and and I'm not quite sure what why you recommended that. Because and, I and think
0: it's the most overly and curiously narrated documentary ever. I had to force myself to watch it the first time. Uh-huh. And the second time, about a year and a half later, I went back to see if I had a similar reaction. Uh-huh. I'm assuming you've watched it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's just, it's like a home movie, you know?
0: <laughs> but I guess without, scrolling. I mean, I guess I didn't expect
1: much. So yes. I, I just found it, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good senior year documentary, you know? <laughs> it, was not, it was not really a, a, a documentary. I mean, it was, it was started out. I mean, if you believe him yeah, as something for the kid, uh, you know, which, which I can resonate with, you know, doing that. So, you know, you can, give this kid at least your impression of who his father was. You know, that's...
0: Well, this is very interesting because I guess my perspective is the level of criminality and the level of danger in these circumstances. I mean, I'm very, like, danger sensitive. And when certain circumstances have come before me, my immediate response is to tell those around me that these are things that need to be points of concern.
1: Mm-hmm. most yeah, of the time yeah, these you're talks, talking about
0: physical danger yeah i'm yeah. talking and and also circumstantial danger
1: what does that mean
0: well my spiritual advisor's grandmother died in very direct circumstances but leading up to her death my perspective was that this was a situation of early onset dementia and rather than viewing these things in terms of offensive things of, oh, grandma's doing this against us and this kind of thing.
1: No, she's nuts. We've got to take care of exactly. her.
0: <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, that narrative kind of fell on deaf ears and what happened happened. Uh, okay. But yeah. my perspective is that unless you see the danger of putting a, a newborn in the company of someone who has uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, this will be yeah. another theme. Yeah, uh, clearly killed the child's father. His oh, home, I know. Yeah, that's all
1: a a bit beyond me.
0: That's, <laughs> it was know? more than a bit beyond me because yeah. my perspective was you can't have the narrative that the grandparents are socially responsible people, together with the fact that they're placating their son's murderer, who also has possession custody of the grandchild. Well,
1: yeah, the whole the whole thing is, is very hard. I I sort of gave up trying to make sense out of any of that shit because the whole thing is just... I, I mean, I, I don't know whether it's just uh, the way the story is told, whether someone else telling the story would make it all pretty clear what actually was going on. Mm. You know... Um, I think it was pretty
0: clear what was going on. My concern was that the narration... Well, yeah, but you can't believe anything that guy no, says. No, no I, I disbelief everything he said because what he was saying and what was going on were completely different to my perspective. I mean, the whole no- notion that these grandparents were doing a responsible thing through the way that they behaved here, struck me as beyond surreal.
1: Well, it's, uh, yeah, see, that's interesting. That's just sort of what I expect with language monkeys. What the fuck do you expect, man? <laughs> what I, planet are you from? Clearly not this one. Right. I, I mean, cle- you know, listen, you and I both have divorced ourselves somewhat from that, but yes. but you got to really get over it.
0: <laughs> it's not that I'm. It's not that I'm on something. It's that. This is the job before us. This is no, what – I'm not I'm going to argue. Okay. I'm not going to argue. I'm not yeah. in the business of arguing that point. Yeah. I guess okay. my general yeah. sense is that – Well, see, I wasn't
1: disappointed by the film for mm. just for that because I really – I very seldom ex- – well, I never expect it to be worth anything really. Yeah. My experience is most of the time everything is bullshit. Yeah. Occasionally I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and this one, I, I thought, uh, well, I took him at his word that he started it anyway a, mm. as a project for the kid. Mm. Uh, you know, I have, not, but I mean, I gave him that much mm. and that sort of, well, changes everything. You know, I mean, about what the, what it is, you know, it's not an objective view of anything. It's just, you know, and then as it ch- changed, well, and again, the whole thing about the legality of it and why, why that woman had that kid to begin mm. with, you know, or whether, well, you know, I just don't know. The whole thing is very strange mm.
0: <laughs> for sure. Have you ever known anyone who was murdered? Yeah. It is a very curious thing associated with the intentionality behind that. And I guess yeah. my general perspective is, When you know someone who has been murdered, someone that you're relatively close to, you get a keen sense of the person who is the most likely suspect in this if they exist in your knowledge. And your behaviour around that person is... Well,
1: wow, that that would be a very odd situation if that person was still around.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And yeah. and, and not only around, but someone who you have to placate on a continuous basis. Yeah. Yeah. In it's order a to very strange
1: uh, situation. Yeah. That's, that's that's a whole different movie, though. <laughs>
0: that's not this No, movie. it's the same movie. It's no. the same movie with a different narrator. Well, that's the narrator not the same movie. Though. That's what I'm saying. That's not the same exactly. movie. That's
1: a whole different Certainly. movie. That wasn't, you know, I mean, I agree with you. Those are all fascinating questions and worth examining.
0: Mm. You know, there's a job for you. Mm. <laughs> I've Actually, I've, I've lived through some of this this week because I, my wife and I share a number of experiences because we were both, I'm a month and seven days older than she is. But we both. Lived through a series of things, even though we were on different sides of the world. Yeah, at yeah. roughly the same but, time in our development.
1: Yeah. John Lennon's death. <laughs>
0: yeah, but the <laughs> right one thing then. that I didn't have that she had was the original L.A. O.J. Simpson situation. Oh yeah, which I saw very fleetingly in Malaysia because Malaysia would import American tabloid, uh-huh. you know, whatever they call journals. Yeah, I
1: still was anything. watching TV. I think. In I'm sure States. you probably would. Have been. Yeah, yeah, but
0: it's interesting. There's a uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a drama, courtroom drama that they've made about it called The People vs. O.J. Simpson on FX.
1: Now and you mean there's a –
0: Yes, yeah. yeah now, okay. currently on television. And because uh. I knew nothing and, about – And
1: this is what, a, dr- a dramatization of the it's, whole O.J. It's a o. J. dramatization
0: yeah. from basically the night of the killing through to him getting acquitted.
1: Okay, all right. And, and with some flashbacks about his prior – uh, you know, life, a I would imagine.
0: Small amounts, very small yeah, amounts. I guess they're just
1: assuming you know who the hell he is.
0: Mainly yeah. mainly associated with the lawyer characters. Yeah. And OJ himself.
1: Yeah. The Kardashian, it, isn't it a small world? It's a
0: very, that <laughs> whole thing is, thankfully I've never really narrated in any of my audio associated with that whole thing. Because it's extraordinary that these people are who they are now. I mean okay. the the claim is by a number of sources that this whole thing got them to a level of expectation of fame and an interaction with the media. But moving on from that, let's let's talk more <laughs> about this thing. So my wife and I watched it together, and my wife was here. She was And, actually,
1: and we're talking about what Twitch film now? We're talking about were- the
0: people versus OJ Simpson. Okay. You're a, watching that. Okay. An FX yeah. thing. Yeah. My perspective on it was very different to her perspective on. And what was particularly curious through that was that I had a relatively neutral view associated with the prosecution, a relatively negative view associated with OJ's defense at the start. But by the end, I thought the prosecution was a set of bumbling fools. And actually, what was interesting in the defense team was the interactions were relatively level, on a relatively level playing field. So each component of the defense could do their various piece. But it's an interesting idea of reasonable doubt because the prosecution didn't make a very good case. I mean they made a case where if the people if the jury was educated and neutral and <laughs> yeah, these kind yeah, of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know that, that well that's in reality, boy, it's a tricky concept, you know.
0: Watching this with my wife, however, there is clearly and I've encountered this at certain times, but there is very much a thing to be a white American. It was very much perspective. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's the unspoken thing, but mm. yeah, it's certainly, well, go on. Yeah. It's, it's a thing to be anything, mm. <laughs> but uh, the, being a white American is uh, being a white American.
0: When I was here in 1991, I was very well aware of that because the school that I was in was almost exclusively African American and Latino. Mm. There was one other white kid <laughs> and there was a Persian girl. And the rest of them. And these people embraced me. I've never felt as welcome as I did at Ralph Waldo Emerson in 1991. And they saw me not as a white American.
1: Well, you (laughs) weren't.
0: But as someone who was genuinely coming to see the country and learn as much from the people as possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, No, you're not an American, and that's... That, that, that's probably why you survived.
0: <laughs> I've already narrated on prior stonates associated with the, the Persian girl, so we'll move on from that. But <laughs> the interesting thing associated with this was the whole nature of what it is to belong to a team. That racism really is more akin to, like, sports <laughs> yeah, than it yeah. is to anything yeah, rational. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, if you if you see it that way, yeah. If that's what your story is running in your head, that that's your tribe mm. – Yeah, I think it's just almost more tribal, really. Well, that's
0: sports too. Yeah. I guess what it came down to was the next day, after we'd watched how many of these things, 10 things, over probably four or five days, I said to my wife, it's not that I don't think he did it. It's I think the prosecution didn't show that he did it enough. And the damage to the evidence and the (laughs) fact that the evidence was treated as secondary creates a reasonable doubt.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the whole idea of having him wearing surgical gloves while trying to put on fur lined gloves I'd like to see the physics of that.
0: <laughs> well, it was more than just the
1: gloves. I mean the gloves were the show. Piece. No, but I mean that was that was
0: pretty shocking,
1: you know. The DNA
0: evidence, for me at least, because I thought well the DNA evidence is just this is the convicting point, you know. Yeah. Being a learned person who understands DNA. But then when I heard that they put blankets on top of the body that had O.J.'s hair on it before they took the blood, and that O.J.'s blood was handed over in the same location of the murder scene, and all the mishandling of the DNA evidence, I mean, yeah. forget the neo-Nazi cop, yeah. the whole nature of DNA is that you need to follow these very strict procedures yeah, yeah, to avoid yeah. contamination.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they
0: blew it on completely that. Completely bumbling.
1: Oh, and, the, and the edit was still admitted into evidence?
0: Well... It's admitted into evidence to be disputed, which is exactly what the defense did. Was it thrown
1: out or or was it accepted or what? Well,
0: what happened was that the guy, the the chief science folk who had collected it and tested it, the LAPD people. Well, they're not; they're privatized. This whole thing is a contractor. Okay, yeah, okay. But they basically screwed it up sufficiently that they end up becoming defense witnesses.
1: <laughs> so, there's all this all is kind of. Okay. Curious- all right. So that's that's a serious problem
0: you got yes. here. Yeah, yeah. You got a
1: serious problem. There here. were
0: three rungs of serious problems. The first was associated. Yeah,
1: all of which is irrelevant because <laughs> everybody knows he did it. <laughs> well,
0: the first serious problem. For me, at least, was the DNA evidence. The racist cop who refused to answer whether or not he'd planted evidence. (laughs) Pretty major problem. (laughs) The glove malarkey was more curious, and there's a variety of different factors associated with that. I went back and actually looked at the glove, like, YouTube footage of him putting it on. They're not, I mean, my wife said, it's, they were bloodstained. They were water and bloodstained, and basically they could have been tampered with.
1: They could have what, shrunk, yeah. They could have been. What put you in forget
0: the here is that <laughs> the defense didn't get him to try on the gloves. The prosecution got him to try on the. Oh, no,
1: I know, I know. That's uh, well, who had possession of those gloves during all this time. Well, the cops. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, well,
0: I mean, there are claims that you know the defense got access to it, and in the show they show um what's the guy's name Shapiro handling them just to see that it doesn't fit him, and he's got smaller hands than OJ. Yeah, But the whole nature of it was just a miscalculated circus and the prosecution yeah. was just completely bumbling. They both <laughs> got out of the business after they were done with the trial. But <laughs> it's an example of a reasonable doubt, I think. And it's one of these curious things. Yeah. I didn't really realise. I mean, I was in Las Vegas when he was done for the, you know, whatever, when he tried to get his possessions back from the collectors and all (laughs) that related stuff.
1: Is he in jail? I think he's he's in jail jail right now. He's still in jail. jail? He's still in
0: jail. Yeah. Yeah. And that seemed to be very curious just in a descriptive sense because I I, I deal with audio. And once the audio had been tampered with, my view is it's got no – you know, there's no judicial anything in audio that's been tampered with. Once someone's had a chance, well, how do to you
1: even audio, know whether it's been tampered?
0: with? The guy admitted he tampered. Oh, you. okay. Well,
1: yeah, but I mean, if if one wanted to tamper with things and was clever about it, I don't that doesn't appear to be too difficult.
0: <laughs> and, and and such, it should not be used as primary evidence.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, the, yeah, those are well but even but photographs. I mean, the, the thing is, you can't really trust anything. Yes. You know, I mean, Photoshop changed the whole world. But this was
0: audio that was owned and edited by a hostile party that didn't want any criminal charges brought against them, but it basically organized the whole thing. (laughs) It was a very, very curious set of circumstances. What's
1: the word for that? Provenance?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Anyway, do you have another topic for us?
1: What topic were we just doing?
0: We were talking about Zia Zachary and the fact really? that you saw it and yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just was surprised because I didn't have a negative reaction at all, but I went in not really expecting yes. you know, much of anything anyway. Yes. And and I thought, you know, and I sort of accepted his story that he set out to make a thing for the kid so he'd know who his father was. Yeah, and I don't I thought,
0: have an objection to that part. I just think that – a narration in particular. Well, no, I'm just saying is
1: that that sort of set the stage yeah. for my attitude toward
0: it. To be sympathetic yeah. to
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. and then and it, it came as a shock to find that the rest <laughs> that of the story the end, yeah. you know, it didn't quite work out yeah. that, you know. Yeah. 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 It's a fascinating story. But um I yeah I didn't see it as a piece of investigative journalism. No, I
0: don't think that was the intention. No, that's exactly the
1: point. It it wasn't at all. It started off as something Mm. completely different, and then turned into
0: whatever the hell it is. Well, (laughs) the whole thing was. I mean, even the start of it is rather curious. But uh, yeah, I guess.
1: Well, but this is all editing. I mean, you know what started. I mean, how it. You know, I mean that's what we ended up with.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No,
1: I I, uh, like I say I, I wasn't offended by it, but uh it, and I thought it was like I say it raised a lot of questions like why the hell was that lady out? And why did she have custody. have custody of that yeah. kid in a murder trial? Yeah. I mean, what what the hell's going on? Yeah. So But then I started questioning, well maybe, you know, maybe we don't know the whole story. Maybe this guy's just given us part of the story and maybe she really wasn't. Guilty, you know, maybe this is all his this guy's story I didn't know that in the beginning either, so you know I'm thinking, well, you know I don't know but that's the thing the the fact they never explained anything like that
0: um I think it was pretty well explained that she had actually killed the guy.
1: Oh, no, I understand that now no but but the why she got out and and was able to get custody. If she had been li- actually already been charged with murder, that's the it's, question. It's
0: associated with the border crossing and her time spent in wherever she ended up in Canada. Well, whatever that is, Judge. that's bullshit. Yeah,
1: I say that's that's whatever decision, whatever criteria or justification they had for that, they ought to probably rethink that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that I think was- they, they kind of did after the fact. I I guess it was my perspective that the grandparents... There were clearly a number of missteps that the grandparents made that wasn't in the film. And the kind of narration that was given meant that all that stuff could have been, as you say, ended up on the cutting room floor, wasn't actually part of the documentary as presented. But, yeah, I, I use it as an example where a narration contradicts what I'm seeing. And watching a documentary where the narrator is actually saying things which seem... Apparently opposing what I'm actually viewing.
1: Well, see, I didn't notice that. Um, but then again, I really wasn't looking for that. I didn't really expect to find coherence. What? What? Are you you went in expecting a coherent narrative? Huh? No,
0: not at all. I guess <laughs> I guess my general perspective is I take a number of people. This whole notion of family and all this kind of nonsense associated with this stuff. Whenever I hear that stuff. My guard is already up. Like, you know, clearly there's sexual abuse going on here. There's something wrong with any of these happy family stories. So immediately my guard was up with that. But the response seemed so counterintuitive that I guess it just confirmed into my already existing beliefs that, you know, these folk one needed to be suspicious of from the get-go. Which folks? The The grandparents? grandparents? Yeah. Because...
1: Well, they're not. I mean, they're clearly, yeah, nutty. Language monkeys, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, what the fuck? That's what you got. You know, who knows what the hell's going on? Yeah, I wouldn't want to look too deeply into what their lives are.
0: Yeah, I gave you a promise which I have broken this week, Heron. So this is almost confessional in nature. <laughs> I said that I would forward on all the correspondence. However, I received some correspondence through the week, uh, so you may have completely forgotten this. N- well, no, I, let I me let me let me explain the circumstances. Yeah. Last recording, you were rustling paper. And I took exception to the rustling of paper, and we had a five-minute discussion associated. Yeah, I went with back and
1: listened to my recordings. Mm-hmm. That's something we could talk about.
0: Anyway, I got listener <laughs> feedback through the week that this was traditional Stone Age comedy gold, and that we should try <laughs> to do this more often through the recordings. The listeners loved it. <laughs> They thought it was uh, hilarious. The perverse
1: bunch of bastards they are. I but. know. I mean,
0: that, the <laughs> thing is, the thing about this See, whole thing... See, they
1: think we're just here for their entertainment.
0: Exactly, and I guess we entertained them last recording.
1: <sighs> well, it's beyond me. <laughs> I can't figure it out.
0: Yeah, I, I try to make the point to people when they contact me associate with this kind of stuff that these are actual, like, natural comedic things that go on. They are in no way staged by you and me. It's just the nature of a conversation that two people have.
1: <laughs> well, you know, this is uh, this is sort of odd territory that we're in. I mean, yes. I don't. I, I mean, I'm trying to think. You know, what I could compare it to, and the only things that come to mind are are actually kind of staged events. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, duos are a, sure. a common issue yeah. in entertainment, but but that's not what's happening here.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, when two cars go at each other, and they call it chicken. When two cars race yeah, towards yeah. each other. This is epistemological <laughs> chicken, chicken, ladies and gentlemen. We are racing no, they're, they're two we're cars. We're not very each other.
1: fucking dangerous, though. I mean, if mm-hmm. we're going to play chicken, we ought to be playing for higher stakes than real. Well, we it's are. only
0: epistemological chicken. It's not physical. Well, no, if it, listen,
1: that's heavy duty. That's the thing. If we were really playing epistemological chicken, we'd both be sweating.
0: Oh, I'm sweating here, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I'm sweating. So. <laughs> Could just be a functional high humidity, but yes. So, anyway, I got that list of feedback through the week, and I listened to it on a couple of occasions, actually, through the week as well, just to see how it's. I'm
1: thinking your recording must be very different than mine, because I went back and listened to it, and I could hear it, but it was so faint. The
0: thing you, you need to keep in mind is the notion of either of us sounding bored. And if that sound. Is connected to boredom. Ah,
1: oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a whole different hmm. issue. Okay. That, okay. I got you now. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So if I if I'm eating something, I must be bored.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess. I yeah. mean, it, yeah. it's, it's all totally. See, yeah. and, you know, and that's interesting because um, I got criticized for one of the there's something on YouTube. I did a test with somebody, and um, I and I went
0: backwards and stuff.
1: Yeah, and I wasn't, and I wasn't staring at the camera. I was yeah. looking around at stuff and yeah. doing what I normally do when I'm talking with people, exactly. you know. And and I got several negative comments, you know. That people are, were
0: just programmed into what they expected. Well, fuck expect them, you know. Programs. I
1: mean, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I'm not going to waste my time, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying you know, to
0: sympathetic ear with me associated with this affair. So.
1: Yeah, well, see, I, th- I was really surprised. when I- That's when I started thinking, well, maybe your recording is actually different than mine. Oh, you know it I mean, it is
0: completely. Because,
1: okay. I mean, honestly, I could hear the sound, mm-hmm. but it was so minor. I-, I was surprised. I was expecting something really bad, you know. Mm.
0: No, and- your, your audio is very different to my audio. And in cases where I have to pick up your audio uh-huh. to put it out, it's remarkable how different it is for me. Okay. All right. I'm sensitive All right. towards these things.
1: But anyway. Well, I am too. That's interesting, though, that we're that we're both using the same software. Yeah, but
0: it's not the software. It's to do with the microphones and a variety of other things. Well,
1: the microphone certainly has, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot to it. Well, anyway, it's curious that it, that it, yeah, the microphone, obviously that has a lot to do with what gets picked up and what doesn't, you certainly. know. Oh, and I've got serious noise cancelling in this stuff. Mm. Yours does or doesn't.
0: I I just I don't even have a microphone anymore. I bought this very nice microphone that's beside me, and it's not compatible with call records. So what? Co- so what are you using? I've used the computer's mic.
1: Okay. Does that have noise reduction? I don't
0: though? know. It might. I mean, I have a lot of planes flying overhead. Yeah. Over here, see, so yeah, see really I don't know that that. Uh,
1: Yes. That's interesting because um, – yeah, well, in any case, uh, I was really surprised because I, I barely even noticed it. you yes. know. And I'm well, my thinking-
0: listeners noticed it and they were appreciative of the comedic dialogue that followed. So.
1: <laughs> well, they didn't notice it because you cut it out. No, I didn't. Oh, you left all the crinkling noises? If it's in?
0: comedic dialogue, we've got to have that stuff in there. Oh, no, but I mean the
1: stuff that you were objecting to.
0: The, well, the, it's impossible the plier- to cut that stuff out. Pardon, because you're talking normally with the sound of crinkling paper underneath. So I can't, oh, okay. I can't right. selectively edit out a part of your space.
1: No, no, I, I see you can't. No, yeah. you could only do it if it yeah. was when. Well, yeah, it was during silence. That's right. Yes. Yeah.
0: Anyway.
1: Well, anyway, I'll have to listen to that because I, I'm curious to hear what yeah, what it sounds to like to
0: my on that as though.
1: opposed to my recording. Yes. You know, yeah. that's a, that'll be a good test.
0: Yeah. So. I think also we talked last time, we talked about this periodically, the benefit of saying things out loud. (laughs) I've been noticing things through probably the past month or so, which seems to indicate either people are listening to this recording or people are listening to Short Funk or people are listening to both of the recordings, because I'm starting to see elements of my political philosophy embodied in certain phrases and things like that being picked up just by random people in my broader... Facebook social group. Yeah,
1: they're probably not random people.
0: No, they're not. They're (laughs) listeners. (laughs) That's right. They're clearly listeners. And I think...
1: And they're listeners who have a certain sympathy with your positions.
0: Yes. And what I find particularly curious is that I've been saying this kind of crap for years. You've helped me very much in terms of focusing it. But the importance of not being timid, not being concerned that you might offend people yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: i should be pretty good at that
0: (laughs) well actually it's interesting how timid you are associated with certain things and social things but we'll move on from that Um, what i've been noticing in particular in the past few days and in part because of what's happened to the republican party and how (laughs) immensely fragile that whole thing is i mean when you see how fragile it is oh it's you start to realize well all it takes is a really slight push if a few of us get together, give it just a little nudge, then we could start looking at how we could do the same thing to the Democratic Party, and then we could just have well listen, I yeah. think
1: yeah, yeah, I'd be very careful because you're I think we're you know well you know i have <laughs> i'm expecting to see the the elimination of the US at some point certainly i'm not in any giant hurry to push that forward though i mean that's that'll come it's certainly coming and this is not going a long way and it could be the last election this this country sees who knows you know mm. or maybe maybe there'll be a couple more but,
0: but I guess uh, my my perspective is that this is not a, this is not just something that we should take lightly This is something that we should view almost as a responsibility. And if you, well, this is
1: yeah. This is as a global citizen, we need to be responsible for for what the fuck's going on.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes. But using words to do that, and particularly collect kind of selected words that have that instigate the right people in the right direction or at least instigate people in any direction, which moves us towards, you know, what you and yeah. I have discussed periodically. Well,
1: so, you know, I, w- I was just looking at this very same thing, and I still think there's only one thing that's going to save us, and that's a, a sort of um, what's the word, a critical mass of humans waking up from the trance of language. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't see any, you know, just convincing them to switch to a new philosophy – that they believe, just like they believe their old yes, bullshit, is, yes. you know, that's got to go. Yes. You know, I mean, that's the tra- and and that's and that's relatively simple to state and conceive. You know, certainly. it's not not that hard, really. Certainly. But I think that that may not be enough, but it certainly is necessary. It may not be sufficient, but without that, uh, we're just going to continue to you know to fuck up.
0: <laughs> At some point, occasionally. It's quite permissible, I would say, to just reflect to how loudly a certain part of the establishment seems to be crying and claiming that it's all wrong and something has gone afoul in the way their belief systems and all this other kind of curious stuff. I felt a little bit like that. Wait a minute, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the GOP here.
1: Okay. Oh, I mean the, the 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 people who aren't involved in this circus, standing on the side and going, "Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened to no, the Republican think, Party?"
0: Well, this is interesting because actually, what I would consider is it's the Republican Party establishment not understanding that that this thing is oh that their doing, time is over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they better and and with no control, this is what they get.
0: It's like when the Supreme <laughs> Court woke up one morning and said, oh, look, gay marriage, it's not that offensive. Maybe we might allow it. Yeah, let's give it a rubber stamp. First time in recorded history I've ever woken up in this country and thought, Jesus, that Supreme Court actually does reasonable things. The next day they were back on pipelines and things like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, listen, this is a generational thing. This is going to take... 40 years.
0: The response from the establishment where the Supreme Court had just enacted all their racist vitriol from the get-go, their response was really curious because normally I'm in that circumstance just observing these things. They will never think like me. And I guess that's what I'm seeing here. And I really, really look forward to the being a similar experience with the Democrats. because maybe it's <laughs> Well, it's almost, it's I mean, it's not happening. quite
1: that far. I mean, Hillary and what's his Bernie Sanders. are pretty
0: good. They're, off, straw of, you know. people. they're straw people between, there's nothing, there's nothing. No, you know.
1: no but it's not straw, the people that are responding, the stuff they're saying, you know, especially Sanders, you know, it doesn't make any difference who he really is anyways, but the stuff he's saying resonates with a lot of people.
0: Who don't actually understand what
1: he well, Of course not. But that's not really important in this game anyway, really. Who the fuck cares who the president is?
0: (laughs) Yeah. My perspective is that these people would better be mobilized using their energies to understand that no president can do what Sanders claims. Oh, yeah. Because the whole system is corrupt. We need to create a new
1: world. Intrinsically corrupt.
0: And all the mental energy that's working towards Sanders being a deity-like leader that will come down and solve America's problems – Unfortunately, that's the belief system of the majority of Sanders yeah. folk. And my perspective is that's worse than useless from the kinds of things that interest well, me. Because these
1: Listen, people, there's nobody yeah. out there who's in the slightest bit sane – you know, I mean, they're all fucking crazy as hell, as far as I can see. So, yeah. I don't know. You know, we'll just—it's going to be fascinating to watch this, this this thing develop and see what happens. You know, and whoever gets elected, someone will probably kill them within a month, anyways. So.
0: Yes. <laughs> My wife has a quilting group that are women in their sixties, seventies, eighties, and occasionally a couple in their nineties. <laughs> and I went to a birthday party of a woman who was turning sixty. There's a gentleman who's at these parties who's supposed to be, you know, the radical husband of one of the women. And he is always ending up by himself, talking to himself. And at all of these parties, I end up being near him, because I guess that's my role as well. And we had a kind of strange interaction where I cemented the fact that he was no longer the most weird of the husbands. (laughs) And he just needed to find his position as, you know... We're, we're spending more time with the husbands that are trying to make an extra $1,000 a month by selling <laughs> car insurance. And that's the group that he should be with because I'm now the new political <laughs> radical of this social uh-huh. group and Good. he just needs to move on. So, yes. Congratulations. Do you
1: get a special name tag or something for that? Um, well, I you want out to make to one my, up and wear I it.
0: I pointed out to my wife, we are going somewhere in a short amount of time, which we'll be back from and I'll talk about when we get back. But part of that is buying uh, travel because the restrictions associated with the fluids that you can travel with are getting even more elaborate per year. So you need to go to the prescribed pharmacist and get the allowed travel items, which you know, are in special see-through containers. One, A pack that I bought had Old Spice Body Wash, which I have never encountered in my life and would certainly not take to the UK. So I took it out through the week and started using it, and I pointed out to my wife, this bizarre musty smell that I now ca- carried on me, based on this, was exactly the same smell as this fellow who previously had been the strangest and most politically outspoken husband, <laughs> and he wore this old spice stuff as well. <laughs> the response from my spiritual advisor was um, uh, cryptic, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I I know that I, when I'm in the social circle, I will not wa- wear old spice. So the blind, elderly ladies and gentlemen do not avoid me thinking that I'm this other guy. Uh, In any case. So, through the week, I've been pondering what this 20 years of Noble 8 thing is about. Because I have, like, three quarters finished projects, and I'm starting this Noble 8 server that I'm working on through the... The later hours, when I start typing off one key on the keyboard, and you know, I really should be doing other things. And what I'm finding about this, because I'm I'm literally rewriting Noble Ape. I mean, part of this Noble Ape server is taking it to a different language. I'm writing it yeah. in two languages now, which is different to the original language it was written in. Yeah. Which means I need to distill. Well, yeah, the,
1: you, yeah, 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 well, this yeah. This is a great opportunity,
0: <laughs> though. Yeah. Well, it's all about these kids today, because these kids today don't use the language that Noble Ape was originally written, written in, and I've got to move it to these other languages that are hot and sexy and these kids today are using. And in going through this process, I've started to think about the kind of person that systematizes the external world and also systematizes what I will call the internal world. And, you know, then write software around it. And the fact that when I go to these new languages, I find people doing very simple experiments in this area. So there's clearly a group of people that like writing computer software to either simulate you know, the external world or simulate some kind of cognition. But it just doesn't have the level of detail that I've been able to get in, you know, and thanks to Bob Mottram here as well, in 20 years of developing No 8. So as I kind of codify this thing, I think I'm not really finding the others through this experience. I'm just looking for another generation of people that have similar, well, similar interests, basically, to me. Yeah. Part of this is also the rise of Model Rail Radio and the fact that Model Rail Radio actually grew out of this artificial life biota thing and i realized that there are a lot more model railroaders than there were artificial life simulators but if i talked to them in the same way and gave them the same degree of appreciation i could create this thing which became model rail radio so yes it's been a curious set of thoughts associated with in creating a new <coughs> group that basically have exactly the same problems and foibles of the previous group Aren't I just creating just a new group of the same problems, basically? And what I really want. A new
1: like group, to see, you're talking about of noble ape
0: users, users and, and contributors yes, yes, and exactly. a, commu-
1: a noble ape community exactly. is what you want, yes. right?
0: And I'm just finding a, another generation of a noble ape community that will fundamentally still have much of the same baggage that the previous community
1: had. Well, they're mostly a bunch of language monkeys even if they Standard. know, you know, coding well and Standard all that. Practice. Yeah. Standard uh, practice. yeah. So you in your come on, you've got to try to eliminate as many of them as possible. There are some out there that are just exactly the ones you want. Hmm. Not many of them, but there's some out there so you have to use your come on somehow. Yeah. To get to them is good marketing, I guess.
0: (laughs) Seriously, in parallel to this, I'm also, for probably the first time in any period, very close to the president of the International Society of Artificial Life. In fact, we exchange candid emails where I recommend to him books that he's never read and these kind of things. Uh, And we are roughly of the same generation. I mean, he might be a few years older than I am. But he certainly has a good degree of respect for my work, and likewise I have respect for his work. So it's one of these strange circumstances where everything is, it's always in flux, but it's moving into territory that I cannot predict what will come from it. Um, if I can. Well,
1: you've never been able to do that. You're just finally wising up well, to that. the thing
0: about it is it's, I'm frequently asked by people, particularly through my professional life, as things change and I observe them, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And my standard mm-hmm. response is it's a thing.
1: That's right. You know? yeah. It depends on what your <laughs> well, specific are. Well, you never know where anything,
0: anything's going to be. All you know is that you are contributing in some way to some degree of change. Yeah, and something's
1: going to happen here. Hopefully
0: enough of your DNA will be on it, to quote again Mr. Simpson, that, um, you know, you'll have a, a means of, at least trying to navigate through it in a slightly better way than if you had no contributive interaction. But um, it is an interesting thing just to occasionally take a step back from, particularly if you invest a lot of time and energy in something, and just think, what more? Because when I got my first publicity associate with Noble Ape, serious publicity in 1999, I'd done a series of things leading into that to make sure that you know some of the publicity worked in a way where I could at least work with it. And I find that in my professional life as well. I constantly leave myself little things. My grandfather did it too. After he passed away, I found a series of handwritten notes that he had left for me. And he did it with my grandmother as well. He did it with (laughs) my mother and uncles too. And I do this through my life as well. I mean, in terms of my professional life, but also occasionally in terms of the decisions that I make with No Blade. And podcasts and these kind of things. But it's interesting... Just occasionally to take a step back and say, okay, you're doing all this work towards potentially this end, but it could actually take you in a variety of different directions. I should point out to the listeners that this doesn't in any way mean stopping. This just means occasionally reflecting on the direction in which you're going. And certainly I've gotten a lot of feedback because I talked about doing video blogging or vlogging this year. And I started and I got some footage together and then I took more footage of me actually recording... And realize that this would basically just scare small children. This was really, dirty, <laughs> like, visual benefit. Well,
1: get your, get a puppet.
0: Yeah, you no, know? that's what
1: I should do. Like Beanie and Cecil, you know, that Cecil yeah. the seasick yeah. sea serpent. Get yeah. some video of him. And use that.
0: Well, I was thinking of using my cats. I mean, when I had a puppet, ah, it would have been yeah. very easy. And, yeah. in fact, as we see
1: Yeah, the backyard footage of the feral cats. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah.
0: I, all I need is a couple more cameras, and I've got a – You know, screw at Attenborough. I've
1: got a yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a real habitat there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, that's you know, this is the same issue or the same issue. But I mean, I'm I'm look. I mean, I have to produce something. You know, I mean, I have produced some things, but I mean, it's it's got to be more focused and. Mm. But uh, I'm. (laughs) It's not ready.
0: I went back to my music this week because I've had about three weeks where I haven't really been part of that, mainly through work. And I realised that I'm actually much closer to producing something than, you know, I feel when I'm away from it. Yeah. And a large part of it is I've got most of the song, in terms of lyrics, pretty well half written. And some of it I need to go back and re-edit. But I could put something out with just a little bit more time. And interestingly enough, I'm not going to be at WWDC this year which is mm-hmm. the first time in the past three years. So I have affected... This, this is the Apple. This is the Apple thing. Right, yeah, okay. Because there have been some time conflicts and what have you. It's an interesting time because I have a period of time not necessarily off because I'll still be working. A is all video now anyway. Actually being there physically is a detriment because you can't actually consume all the information that you want. So No,
1: actually, you get that later. You just yeah. go there for the people.
0: Well, WWDC for me is more like a sensory experience of living in San Francisco for a, a week. And for at least two out of three of the WWDCs I've attended, I've been involved with some major work-related project, which has cut down the amount of time that I'm actually at WWDC. It mm. saddens me because there's a lot of youthful wonder... They try every year to get people to go to WWDC for the first time just because there's an amazing sense of wonder in the first-time folk. Yeah. And they're always from, you know, Bolivia or Venezuela or, you know, Luxembourg or they're always like eclectic folks from different parts of the world that are coming for the first time to have... Yeah,
1: that would liven up the atmosphere considerably. it's interesting.
0: It's just because... I had an experience last weekend where I met the fellow who first brought me into Apple for a day. And I met him at the local train club, actually. And I stuck my hand out and I, you know, shook his hand and I said, you know, I'm Tom Barbele. You organised my first day at Apple in 1998. And he seemed... I mean, I don't necessarily want to narrate this too heavily, but he was clearly just cognitively exhausted. (laughs) And he pointed out, actually, that... This week is his last week at Apple. He's, he leaves Apple as of today. And I thought to myself, that's an extraordinary length of time. And I know people like that have retired from Apple. And you just think this is a lifetime, basically, that this person has invested in this company.
1: Yeah. How old is he now?
0: He Well, he's got to be in his mid to late 60s. Oh, okay. He's so younger he's than you. you. Yeah, okay. However, he's had a very, very different life than you
1: <laughs>
0: And in terms of the level of cognitive... I mean, this fellow, prior to working at Apple, worked on missile systems that were used in the first Gulf War.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And he's one of the... In coding, there's a notion of optimization, which becomes less important with yeah. languages. But at the time, he could do binary optimization like I'd never seen anyone do. Like yeah, that. he was
1: very talented Yeah, he, he
0: didn't need to write things down and then do simplifications. He did it all in his head.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And his life has been helping third-party developers actually get through coding on Apple's you know, various operating systems. He also was a mixed-mode magic scientist, which is someone that took the 68000 processor, which the original, all the original Macs were, and made the code run on the PowerPC, which is pretty bloody smart as well. I mean, he has yeah. all these... Yeah, no, he's, you know, he's obviously got you know.
1: that side of it down pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, of course, it's probably changed a lot since then, too.
0: Without question. But he's been there up until... Yeah.
1: Today. Oh, that's right. He's been th- yeah. right along with it all along. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: So it was very strange to see, because I when I saw him immediately, I thought, it's this guy. I'm intentionally not using his name, ladies and gentlemen. And I said to, you know, there was another fruit factory guy there, and I said, is that so-and-so? And he said, yeah, it's interesting. You know? I met him again when I came back in 2000. But when my So mother, you
1: didn't talk to him?
0: Oh, I shook his hand and said a couple of words, but it was huh. clear. I was a bit taken aback by... I don't know. I guess I just don't see frailty in people, and particularly not engineering. I mean, I do, you know, I work with yeah. people that have certain elements of frailty in their personalities, but this guy was a cognitive powerhouse last time I interacted oh, with okay. him. He, he was eccentric, oh, okay. yeah. That's but, that's you know, yeah. That's, eccentric. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... I was just like, and he, <coughs> it wasn't clear whether he recognized me or not, but then I thought there's no importance in him recognizing yeah, me. Yeah, yeah there's nobody home with,
1: anyway. <laughs> well, no,
0: he probably did this with hundreds of people. I mean, the fact that he doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, I went back and had a meal with him in 2000. When I went, when I was back here with my brother in 2009, I tried to arrange a get together with him and the fellow who basically had been the main dynamo at Apple representing Noble Ape, who has since gone on through a series of different startups after leaving Apple. Um, seems to be genuinely happy, but it's back to software engineering after, you know, years of being, you know, senior management, you know, junior vice president kind of person. Uh, and this fellow didn't turn up at that meal. I ended up spending it all with this evangelist guy who'd who been working with Noble i was a bit sad that I didn't see him then. But now, you know, I've also worked with other people. In fact, my wife is very close. She has a quilting friend whose husband is a former mix mode magic guy as well who's a little bit younger in fact i'm friends with him on facebook i was friends with this other guy on facebook but i unfriended him a while back because he just didn't post anything on facebook it wasn't, wasn't there but yeah it was an interesting experience just to see because it also puts my life in context in some regard i mean 1998 was a, what was i say 1999 when did i come out here 1998 when i first came out here it's an awfully long time ago, really.
1: Yeah, I mean you think about it now, so, yeah. come, coming up on 20 years?
0: Yeah, well, just yeah, just shy and to think that and it was really an instrumental turning point in my life. I mean, this was a point where i I came here with the belief that the streets would be paved with gold. <laughs> you know software engineers were like sex symbols and you know all uh, these kind yes. of things. and I, I realized very quickly that that was just something that I'd been told that was or I would believed which was apparently false. So he was part of that whole experience for me. <laughs> Seeing, you know, what this thing might really be. But also it was pretty overwhelming to actually go into Apple at that time because it's it was a huge company. And yeah, it was kind of yeah that's a big deal, man. Yeah, it that's was kind of, big of overwhelming <laughs> to, to be invited in. They like, got pizza and stuff like that. Yeah, But yeah, this guy was kind of like a central figure and someone who I corresponded with rather heavily, but I guess the correspondence dropped off, and when my brother was in town, I probably hadn't communicated with him since when I went and we had a stake together in 2000. But, you know, the also another thing that caught me was the synchronicity of meeting him again. Because I've been here more than four and a half years now, and it's funny, actually, I've not met Wozniak for this period of time as well. But, you know, he's one of the guys where I probably could have run into him at some stage, but to run into him the week before he retired from Apple and all these other kinds of things, I think... You know, this is a bit of a synchronicity, actually, and I probably should appreciate that part of it as well. But yeah, I don't know how we got here.
1: Yeah, we were talking about no, we were talking
0: about systematization, and that people that uh, you know systematize things have a certain degree of uh,
1: well, everybody does. I mean, the fact that we have language means we already have systematized damn near everything.
0: Uh, Language that's that's what we do. Language has a certain flexibility that you might deny and I might deny. Occasionally, in dark moments, but language ultimately, I think, has perhaps more. I'm not saying that's
1: all of it. I understand. Yeah, I'm just saying that it's not as simple as just systemization because knowing a language is systemizing your
0: experience to a certain extent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could. I could. How's the wine glass looking?
1: Oh, pretty good. You know, uh, you're so fascinating that uh, <laughs> no, no, that's not it. I'm talking so much, I don't have time to drink. Exactly. That's it. That's it.
0: Exactly. I'm going to be meeting a lot of Noble ape listeners in the next few weeks, which is actually kind of overwhelming when I sit and think about it, just talking to you.
1: How many are there?
0: Uh, I'm going to be meeting at least four, potentially five. Stone Ape listeners? Oh, four. Regular
1: Stone Ape listeners. Yeah, regular
0: Stone Ape listeners. Cool. Including, in fact, five out of six of these people. I've never met previously. Yeah. Are you going to all get together at once? Or no, it's impossible. One at a time? It's impossible to do that because they're spread out over over the UK.
1: Well, no, it's not impossible. They just all have to agree to meet someplace. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm doing the walking in this circumstance. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. uh,
0: but, yes, I, I will have a number of Ape listeners probably either posted on Facebook or at least to discuss in our next recording. Yeah. Including Bob Mottram, who worked on Mobile 8 for an extraordinary length of time, but also Joe the Drummer and Tim and uh, Andy Dixon. Yeah, a variety of folk, actually, that have picked up this thing. It's very strange that there's a small overlap with the model rail fraternity, but they are very distinctly different groups. I mean, for example, Joe and Tim, who I'm meeting up with in London, strictly via email. I had to pick the place that we were eating and make a booking for it and do these all, all these kind of organisational things because it was just, you know, I said I was going to be in London in these set dates and then the conversation just died. And then I said I was going to be in London maybe in the evening, the conversation just died. So I just made a booking for a restaurant and we are both turning up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah. The we'll moment I radio, it is completely it. different.
0: Yes. They're like, you're going to be here then, terrific. We've got this club thing going on and you're going to... Arrive at this train station at this time, yeah. and we'll do all this stuff, and it's all very much organised.
1: Yeah, well, of course, you haven't got a clue who these people are.
0: <laughs> you
1: you know, so you're gonna, you're gonna find out, you know. Yes. So I, you're braver than I am.
0: Oh, You're gonna throw <laughs> yourself in the gunfire here. No, right? no,
1: no, no these... you don't have to. You can, yeah. but uh, you certainly don't have to.
0: Well, I guess I choose to in these circumstances. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's really yeah. very strange that they're actually carbon ...listening to this stuff and, you know, some of them are exercising, some of them are on some kind of transport... ...as they listen to this stuff and it's just fascinating that you push air particles out of people... Yeah, it it is
1: an amazing universe, (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah... Yeah,
0: Yeah. and it's also really interesting as well because I found through YouTube people that are starting podcasting... Mm -hmm. ...and they have mixed expectations, I mean, I have very mid-range views associated with this media... but. It's also something that continues to surprise me and delight me in many ways, that what we do here actually makes some degree of benefit to a few people.
1: Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any difference how many, really. The fact is... Mm it's fun for me anyway <laughs> to do it yeah. and uh and i know that there's a some percentage of uh, language monkeys out there um you know are thinking a lot of the same things that you and i are thinking about and yeah. wondering about and
0: or actually not and that we add some surprise and interest to their general or interest. that
1: too yeah well for yeah. whatever some people resonate with this You know, for whatever reason. And and a lot of people, this isn't for everybody, but, you know, there are people out there who resonate with this shit that we're doing. It sort of amazes me. (laughs) I mean, really, the library, you can get this in so much more concentrated form if you just read a few books, you know. Well,
0: it's hard to find the right books, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, you can go to my website and look at my bibliography. That's a good place to start.
0: I don't know. Some of those seem a little dry for the kind of minds that I want to Well, be. no,
1: I, there's a bunch of different kinds of things. there. I'm just saying there's a list you can start with, and you, yes. you know, some of them might be... You no, know, I know science insanity is not for most people, Yes. but Alan, anybody can deal with Alan Watts.
0: Yes. That was his whole shtick, really, wasn't it?
1: Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was... God, it was, it's just so simple.
0: <laughs> yes. I've... Um, my podcasting room, which had historically been my library, but i boxed up most of it and moved it to our attic i haven't been in for a few weeks actually and i went in there and it just the smell alone was just wonderful <laughs> and it has maybe i don't know a tenth maybe a twentieth of my books still in there but i like the books that are there and my view is that you know it's amazing that you can reduce something down to a tenth and still have it's yeah. a bit like dna you know you take a cell you cut it into many different pieces and you still, even in the smallest part, you still seem to have the recreative DNA within it. And I'm certainly finding that with the books that have been left in my library. Primarily because they're they're too big and too heavy and too non-standard for the boxes that I was... I
1: wish I could get rid of the remaining books I have. <laughs> I would love to have them yes. all on my iPad.
0: Well, that's the interesting part, really, isn't it? But. That- I went through that process and actually I have I a have vast quantity now of PDFs of a lot of my books because I yeah. actually went out and started looking for them. It's just,
1: I, well, it's just the whole experience of reading itself yeah. is just so much more pleasurable on an iPad than the it is with I, an
0: actual book. Yeah, you know? I, I'm too in front of For that, me. The thing, the thing that I like about it is that it's, it's so easy to get things quickly. Well,
1: it's yeah. just everything about there's there's nothing about I mean it's easier on the eyes just for that it looks better, you know. Well, that's, a, that's enough right there. It looks better than a lot print. Of the
0: PDFs that I have, have been scanned by people, so they don't always fit into that category.
1: Oh, well then you, yeah, well that's no that's a, a special issue. I, everything I read is fine and and it's just it's a pleasure. I mean, just sure. visually, it's a pleasure and easy to read. You know, smaller yeah. type, and you know, it's it's just amazing. It's, it's an amazing difference. So, I mean, that's good enough. Plus, you got the dictionary, and you can copy text and paste it into Facebook, and mm. without having to retype it or something. Yeah, again, you know?
0: scanned pages don't give that to you, but you do you do get the same motive. Uh, sense as you go through the pages
1: well it's just it, well, it's yeah i don't know it's just uh, I, i'm completely sold on reading on the ipad i do buy books occasionally if i can't locate anything that'll work on my ipad then hmm. i'll buy a paper book but uh rarely now
0: i've been studying associated with this music periodically what the standard state of the art is just to get a sense of
1: the standard state of the art in what rec- With
0: regards to music, with regards to popular mm-hmm. music and also...
1: You mean with recording? You're talking yeah. about technology for no, recording? No, I'm
0: actually re- talking about, you know, here are certain levels of musicians. There are musicians that get all their income through producing music. There are musicians that own barbershops. Their barbershop is the profit-making vehicle and their music is secondary. All yeah. these kinds of things manufacturing and associated with what I need to do in order to produce music that will reach a certain audience. And the thing that strikes me, particularly in the genres that I'm looking to explore, is that there has been a commoditization of music in the past two decades, but really profoundly in the past five years, where you know, I just don't see that that I can create something in any parallel because the stuff that's coming out currently is really... Like, it's not imaginative. It's not musically imaginative. And it almost makes me concerned because if you show imagination, maybe it might be like such a great delta compared to what's out there. Why don't you just
1: make music that you want to make because you like it?
0: Well, I've done that historically and historically I've released it in, you know, podcast themes and a variety of different vehicles. I guess I'm interested in, as you are associated with your, your short term experience and camming, I'm interested in seeing if there is another way that I could make a uh, you know, an oh, income yeah. that if yeah. I wanted to change my profession, I could change my profession. And I think that's a very different process than oh, yeah, that's completely releasing different. a CD yeah. Yeah. when no. I was, yeah. you know, 19 and no. 20. No, no if you
1: want to make a, make a living at it. Well, I want to see you, if, how difficult
0: to... it is to, you know, do it sufficiently that yeah. you could do concerts. Well, yeah,
1: whether or not stuff. you can make that work, yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. About the same approach to model rail radio. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Except it's distinctly different because... Well, because, no,
1: it's just a different audience, but
0: I I have no illusion associated with making money through model rail radio. I mean, what's interesting actually? No, but
1: the idea of narrow casting, of, of finding an audience for certainly. a particular thing, yeah, and attracting that audience. And in this case, the there could be monetary. Uh, yeah, the model rail thing is.
0: So, well, let let me give you a point. In fact, here we had yeah. a fellow who has, I think, one of the more popular YouTube channels associated with model railroading. It has about twenty thousand subscribers so not huge but still one of the more popular ones and the magazine Model Railroader has courted the gentleman to both produce promotional content for their magazine and also like really work with them and he's now taking that on not as a full-time profession but at least as something that gives him you know part-time revenue uh, and he's very candid with me. I mean, he's very candid when he
1: comes yeah. to the I mean, show. Yeah, he's got of, a uh, gig going, yeah. and, uh, yeah, he's doing it with some integrity, probably. And, it's, uh, it's old
0: media yeah. versus new media. Yeah. But, I mean, I certainly don't fault him in any way, and I'm very, no. you know, very interested. If somebody's in
1: willing that, to pay him, yes. you know, yeah. well, shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you get. Yeah. It is interesting because I think the writing's been on the wall for that particular publication since I started doing Model Rail Radio. In fact, we apex through their, their reader base probably in the second or third year that I did model rail radio. We broke the 90,000 mark and it's, and their readership has just, you know, gone through, well, they've just died off quite yeah. literally. And, um, well,
1: everything is online now, especially, I mean, yeah, the whole model railroad industry thing. has been transformed yeah. by computer industry, hasn't it? I mean, that's essential smart. now, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean,
1: what you probably control it all with your iPhone, I would imagine. Certainly.
0: Finally, after, in fact, yeah. our, our list, we have a listener, David Reese, who is a primary contributor to that phenomena associated mm. with control through the iPhone. Yeah. So, yes. Um, it's all very, it's all <laughs> that's very that's curious. Great. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I can't see how, particularly because the way I formed Model Rail Radio, that it could ever, Produce any form- Well, not living income for me, unfortunately. Well, and you
1: know, you don't have to close the door to that. You just yeah. don't see how that could happen right now. But.
0: Well, I don't think it's – no. I mean, I could see how it could happen and it couldn't happen in any meaningful sense. Uh,
1: well, nothing music, that you can conceive of, right? Music
0: now. is different, though. I mean, music is actually – Well,
1: and plus you're formulating it now.
0: <laughs> so it's not – you're yeah. not dealing with something that's
1: already in place. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And the images and the, you know, all these kind of things I think is all very important now. It's no longer just associated with music at all. Well,
1: it's a whole new world exactly. for the music industry. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's over for the old companies. They're yeah. still around, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know for how much longer yeah. or what they do. Are we, what, are you up on that? I mean, yes. I guess there were what four or five major yep. record companies. Yep. They're all still in business? Well, the chip,
0: no, the chip packet dude who came on and ate chips through the first half made the point with that, with Apple Music that what you're trying to do is actually get people to play your song through Apple Music multiple times. That's the model. So it's not, it's actually pay per play. And what you want is people coming back to buy the favorite songs that they have of yours. Or in the case of an album format, listening through to an album a few it's, times It's
1: not about downloading MP3s.
0: No, that that, that whole model's no longer it anymore. So, is,
1: so basically, you, you're just paying for access to their library.
0: It's pay to play.
1: Yeah. Okay. So and um, how much does it cost to play? Is it per well, second it's, or it's, per it's, song? No, no, no. Or so I pay. What if I want to listen to the fourth movement of the ninth symphony by Beethoven? Very easily. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Now Apple Music is a pretty interesting service, actually. I think it's either 12, I think it's, for us, it's $15 a month because I get my membership and my, my yeah. membership together. And that's actually.
1: And that gives you access to basically all the music in the world. About,
0: it's <laughs> probably about 85% of the music in the world.
1: Wow. For 15 bucks a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I've got uh, uh, the, all this shit on hard drives. I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it, that's stilly, obviously. It, it just should all be there in the cloud for yeah. all of us, yeah.
0: Yeah. For and what? it is there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, what's not there is quite curious. But well, that's is-
1: the thing is we got to get the rest of it up there. <laughs> well,
0: mostly it's the artists that don't want it up there. I mean, they're a group of artists that are just living very much in the past.
1: Well, fuck them then. Yeah. It, it, who is it? It's just probably some heavy metal band, no, right?
0: Prince. <laughs> Prince is a is a good example of someone who hadn't oh, translated really? to. Yeah.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, you look. You, well, that's the whole thing is you, this new paradigm. There is no control. You got control over what you put out.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and no, that's, that's about that's it. Exactly it. <laughs> And really, it produces. I mean, this is this is again returning to my original point here. If you listen to what people are putting out currently, who are mid-range musicians who probably earn you know less than I earn, then the quality that they're putting out is not particularly high. They just put out volume.
1: Well, you know, and it's different too. What when you mean by musicians? I mean, there are a lot of people. Who make stuff in a in a laboratory, but they're not performers they're not well, stage thing, musicians, and that's a very different thing you know
0: what's the people let me tell you about my best friend guy nielsen yes he yeah. he never did concert I mean Nielsen started that paradigm he never did concert he just recorded albums
1: well, that's what i'm saying is that they're they're just different you know yeah they're they're very different because groups that perform can draw large audiences and make a bunch of money. Yeah. If you don't do that, you know, I mean, if you're a studio musician, if you make your stuff in your bedroom, (laughs) you know, that's a very different environment.
0: I mean, point of fact, heavy metal musicians and, you know, all those folk are typically the largest tourers. I mean, they actually have not only devoted fans, but also make small fortunes through touring. Yeah, is
1: that how much of Yeah, touring is, I guess that, that's probably not as big a business as it used to be, oh, is no, it? No,
0: no, 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 no. Really? Think about if you're getting two cents a play on Apple Music versus sixty or seventy dollars per person. I mean, touring is where it's at for music. Well, no, yeah, yeah, but
1: they're also extremely expensive too. So,
0: well relatively speaking compared to what people yeah. pay well for apparently no
1: obviously someone's yeah. making some money on it so and
0: it's the musician
1: but I mean that's the issue is how many well how many tours are going on at any one time in the world I well, mean is this something I mean is, are there hundreds of bands that are touring around the world yeah. or are there four and
0: there are <laughs> hundreds of bands that are touring around the world but anyway.
1: really okay Still. fairly big time stuff you know yeah I mean,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't, I, I didn't know. I that. mean, some of them collaborate. I, most of the concerts I go to are collaborative concerts. But I mean, let's look at the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead basically retired for 15 years and then had their last concert ever and then had their last concert ever. And now are just saying, okay, we're a touring band again. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I mean, musically, they weren't particularly proficient in concert, but as an experience, unbelievable. And, I actually think that, the what, let's use the term traditional touring bands, which I would call things like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Metallica and these kind of yeah. bands from, you know, from the 90s. Um, these bands are really amazing to see in, concert. oh yeah. Well,
1: I saw Zappa probably yes. 10 times, yeah. uh, in LA in various venues and it was like going to the opera, man. Yes. It was, it was just astonishing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny actually because, with the exception of a small number, I've seen actually most of my favorite bands touring now. Yeah. With Wozniak, he basically built the, the amphitheater together with Bill Graham. So I had box seats through the period of time that I knew Wozniak and saw a wide variety of bands through that time. And since then, I've tried to go to concerts where I could see, you know, my childhood musical idols. <laughs> and, um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I mean, it's really the only way to see a variety of bands in terms of like getting, I mean, well,
1: if they're a perform- yeah, that's the yeah. thing is if they are performers, if they yeah. know how to put on a show. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. Some people think they're, well, again, there's, there are lots of, re- that's why I never usually went to, you know, classical concerts. I mean, this, this, The sound is never as good as it is on a really good recording, Mm. and and but you don't
0: go to these concerts for the sound. I mean, I went to
1: no, but but you don't go. There's nothing there. Uh, I mean, interesting visually or emotionally. It's all you know. Everyone's got their tuxedos on. The the concerts
0: are different. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that's a different thing. The sound is never good, but the emotion is overwhelming.
1: Well. Yeah, but the, the users are creating that emotion. They're bringing it that with you. If you don't arguing. bring it with you, it ain't there.
0: I'm not arguing with that yeah. in okay. any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's what I'm saying it's precisely. Yeah. That the ability to see a group with, you know, thousands of like-minded people, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, that's Hitler a special
1: psychic experience. It's, yes. Sure, it's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah.
0: a focused psychic experience. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: I am very pleased that the Grateful Dead decided to start touring again. Actually, it was kind of morbid at the end of their last concert. <laughs> People started hugging each other and crying and this kind of stuff. And yeah. when you realise that they could actually do it again, I guess that was the. Process. So
1: they're only missing Garcia, right?
0: Yeah, and they've got the thing is that the Grateful Dead cover bands, many of which became their own bands, produced so many good garcia replacements
1: yeah yeah Do they
0: really have uh, an extended So well, they got plenty yeah
1: this is, yeah it's it's not jerry garcia but the rest of us are here Isn't yeah
0: it? and what's really interesting is the younger performers can't think of the guy's name but he's the lead he's the lead of the group fish i think he was amazing in concert he i mean these guys are in you know they're your age heron and they've got iPads that they come out with because they can't remember the words or the notes and stuff, (laughs) and it's all very interesting. And then you've got this guy who's called uh, Trey, I think. Anyway, and he came out, and he knew everything that they knew, plus a bunch of, like, different melodies and chords and stuff, and he'd obviously ad-libbed a variety of things. I mean, when Jerry was live, I've looked back at some of those videos associated with the concerts, and I listen to them frequently because my wife has the Grateful Dead station on in the car periodically, you weren't missing much in terms of like I mean there obviously there was energy around Jerry, but there were a lot of times when they played, particularly when they were out of their minds, where the music was secondary. Clearly,
1: oh yeah, the, the, it was a, a sociological phenomenon. It had very little to do with actual <laughs> yeah. skill as musicians. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know? but what was funny? See, was I say I never got there. I mean, yeah. I understood the other stuff, but the, but as far as music goes, they're just. Boring.
0: <laughs> as I read as a child and have continued to believe through this day, the Grateful Dead concerts were primarily about exposing a large part of the U.S. population to psychedelics.
1: Well, that's certainly – yeah.
0: Well, it's more than that. It, yeah. It's about –
1: yeah, it's about breaking away from your parents' world. So, and uh, yeah. yeah, it had a whole lot to do with all it, And that was all great. I and love in terms
0: that. Of, in terms of cannabis genetics, <laughs> the Grateful Dead did it. I mean, I, the number of books that I have associated with cannabis genetics that start by saying the first step is to go to a Grateful Dead concert and exchange <laughs> seeds with everyone there. And then you will work out, you know, you'll get every possible mix. Of, and actually attending a Grateful Dead concert – the aromas in the air indicated that this was still going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. The varietals
1: that were... Apparently there's going to be a, another vote coming up uh, on uh, legalizing marijuana recreationally mm-hmm. this time in yep. California. So yeah. I may register to vote. Shit. Mm. Aren't you <laughs> yeah. already? Oh, I think I am. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't voted since l- the last time it was that issue was My wife was voted.
0: Up. She signed up in a mall somewhere... No, I think, ago.
1: no, I got something in the mail a few months ago exactly. telling me to send this back and, yeah. and I'll be registered or something. Yeah. So I did, and I guess I'm registered, uh-huh.
0: so. Very good. Cool. Yes, that whole recreational thing is all very, very interesting. Our local community is having a vote of two bizarro extreme. The first extreme is to put in more restrictions. They banned the delivery vehicles. <laughs> they tried to reduce the cannabis shops. And
1: in, this is in San Jose. This is
0: in San Jose. And that didn't get through... Well, it got through in the seven or ten council representatives that we have for the city council. They seem to think it was great to reduce the number of shops and to ban the vehicles. And the shops that we have left, one is a Steve D'Angelo facility, which is really the only one that I think is... I mean, none of the shops are really... I mean, D'Angelo to a certain extent, but none of them are about reducing the price. California still has... No, hell no. Prices. It's a business.
1: It's fucking capitalism, well, man. in
0: contrast to Colorado, which is about half the price for medical or less. Yeah. I think the whole philosophy here associated with uh, –
1: no, It's to bleed as much money as yeah. they can get out of this thing yeah. for the state and for the people who uh, grow it and yeah. market yeah. it and everything. It's yeah. a fucking business. It
0: is. It <laughs> is.
1: But it's better than going to jail.
0: Without <laughs> question. So you yeah, have the two extremes I mean I I can't vote, so I don't have any interest in the docket, but our local no. um our president of the local community group is allowing me to chair the next meeting so she can attend one of these cannabis discussions in the city. The people that are pro, you know, cannabis recreational or in this case medicinal cannabis store on every corner are scary as well. They're almost as scary as the city in this circumstance because they just basically produce content that people that are moderately afraid <laughs> become very afraid of after they read it.
1: Well, listen, yeah. It was, you know, I could see very well this thing failing in California. It, it you know, the
0: last time they tried to do it, it failed. Well, for a variety of coalitions that came together.
1: Yeah. So, uh, be interesting to see what happens Black this campus. time, but I, I'm, I'm going to vote. So. Yep. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yes. Yeah, it, it's um, such a strange world. It's really. a very strange
0: world. It's a very strange world. I am low yeah. in voice and low in ideas. So if you want to float a topic that can get us going, Heron, I could continue for quite some time. But
1: Well, I'm just thinking of this, it, it, our point in history. That This mm. is such – my sense is this really is right at the tipping point you know between or that's that's really not a good analogy but but uh like in catastrophe theory when a system reaches certain. a certain level it breaks up and takes on a, a new form of organization at a higher level mm. and and that just seems to me that we're getting so much closer to that now mm. you know of the the really the the sort of just disintegration of most of our older systems mm. i'm just hoping <laughs> that it doesn't happen in the next year or two. I yeah. you know? I'm hoping that we, you know, it's more gradual and you can see it and begin and take steps as it comes, you know, be, but it it might be faster. I don't know. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's if it's slow enough, then if you're paying attention, you can probably accommodate it. But if it if it comes too fast, then man, we're all going to be out swimming. <laughs> you know.
0: Do you remember some elements of the 1960s? I mean, my recollection was the political problem that exists currently, although more extreme, also came about in the 1960s associated with it looking like the parties were going to, you know, divide and, you know. Well,
1: things. from from my hippie perspective at the time, it was all about the war. Hmm. You know, what the hell are we doing over there and why do you want me to go over there? Yeah. But I
0: mean, in the inner cities and amongst the, you know, the thing that scared Hoover was not the war at all. It was the Black Panthers.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that wasn't, I was aware of that, but it wasn't a big part of my being a hippie. Mm. You know, there were black people. I mean, there weren't any issues, but black issues weren't specifically just sort of part of that because the hippie sort of side didn't really think much of those (laughs) distinctions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, to a certain extent, you know, women and the poor and these kind of things. Too.
1: Well, that was, again, you know, we were just beginning to wake up. You know, mm. that was an exciting time, but you know, we've, we've come a little, a few places since then. Yeah, things are
0: a little different now. Yes. Mm. Well,
1: yeah, it's interesting to look back on it and see how naive we were. Mm. <laughs> really. And maybe still are.
0: Mm. Yeah, the naivety is something, certainly, that I reflected on heavily in my, you know, younger period. I mean, particularly the ability to read. A friend of my wife's son has just been able to read for for himself, you know?
1: How could,
0: Um, Seven, eight, that kind of age, mm-hmm. which was about the kind of age that I realised this reading thing was actually really, really dangerous. Really? In a really positive way. That you could take out books on anything and read about them, which meant it was your choice, not your parents' choice, what you read. Yeah. And you could read within those areas. And I think. See, I didn't
1: discover reading till really late.
0: But you had a I- television that arrived at about. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. The what? television uh, took over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reading. I, I mean, I never, I did read a couple books that I remember, you know, but, but, uh, it wasn't until Watts that I became a reader. And that was when I was 21. So all the time up through that, I, mm. but you've been reading earlier than that.
0: I loved, I loved divergent reading. And I loved yeah. reading about, see, I
1: read, that, I read, what's that, the famous one, Holden Caulfield, the uh, Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. Yes. I read that, loved it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, for some reason, it's just like, ah, that was cool. You know, but what's on TV? Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, that sequel so. is supposed to be coming out this year. And I've heard <laughs> nothing about it. Um It was revealed in well, a documentary is, about Liv- Salinger that he was going to release the sequel to Capture and the Rye <laughs> in two thousand and sixteen.
1: Really? I can't imagine. well it, it whatever it is, it'll be sort of antithetical.
0: Well, you'd think that, but he <laughs> Well it'll be interesting to see us, you know, you he's know? dead, but he might surprise us. He
1: he might. You never know. Well, is so so when is it supposed to be out?
0: Sometime in two thousand sixteen, I think.
1: Well, I would think that would be a relatively easy thing to verify one way or another on the internet, wouldn't it?
0: One would hope so. But <laughs> the publishing establishment is a very curious thing. So.
1: Yeah. 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 Boy, what I'm trying to think what could you possibly say? I can't imagine anything following that.
0: It's interesting actually because I later than Holden Caulfield, but a book which actually, the film inspired me called Last Summer, which was in 19, came out in 1968 or 1969. It was nominated for Academy Award as well. And that is a very much a kind of coming of age that deals explicitly with rape. The sequel deals explicitly with murder. And I didn't think it was quite as good. These kind of books did exist in that period in terms of like, you know, defining Yeah. Life moments and what have you.
1: Oh, yeah. There was a lot of stuff. No, it wasn't. No, you're right. Uh, There there was, that was an awesome, the early 1960s was, um, was an amazing period to be around in. I'll tell Mm. you.
0: (laughs) Yes. But But um, now
1: I can, it's just so amazing seeing kids, I mean, who just don't give an iPad or an iPhone a second thought, mm. you know, who have never known a time. (laughs) <laughs> when when that kind of uh, information was available that's that's just mind boggling even yeah. if they don't use it for the most part yeah we need to train them better <laughs> but
0: yeah wow there's a certain experience when you read a long form book which yeah there are some films which are pretty amazing to watch Reading is a whole different thing. It's
1: just, it's just a a different thing. You know, and what, see, I, I think it's really important when you're talking about fiction, where there's a story that's being told, as opposed to nonfiction, philosophy or economics or whatever. History. Those, those, whatever. They're fundamentally different. Uh, well, you it, get, I mean, I. So I would prefer, see, the thing is, I prefer audio files for most fiction. Mm. Rather than reading, uh, Dan Brown's, whatever the hell book it was, uh, I listened to it being read by a professional actor who was really good. Mm. And it was great. I, w- I never would have read it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, my wife and my mother have teamed up on me occasionally saying that my dislike of reading fiction is an anomaly that I need to correct.
1: No, no, no. You need to listen to fiction. You don't want to read it.
0: Well, yeah, I need to consume <laughs> fiction in some way.
1: It depends on the fiction. There is some good fiction. Read hmm. Kurt Vonnegut. You've probably hmm. read some Kurt Vonnegut. Hmm.
0: It's been so long since I read fiction. I mean, I, I read a dense, mainly speculative and science fiction, but I read yeah. pretty densely.
1: Stanislaw Lem. Have mm-hmm. you ever read yeah. him? Yeah. Oh, I love Lem. Yeah. God, what an awesome one. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think, I guess, I liked reading dark near future books as a child because it kind of prepared me for where I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, all that stuff was very important. And And as
1: a child, you're saying, so you're reading this kind of stuff when you were how old?
0: 12, 14. Okay. I mean, this is, yeah. this is again, yeah. is an ability to read, retaining the original yeah. point. Yeah.
1: Well, it was when not you, just the ability. I had the ability. I didn't do it. Well,
0: exactly. I, I think it <laughs> you actually I took him up on yeah, it. <laughs> and I realized I could read stuff that my parents had never read, which meant that I could have completely different intellectual <laughs> yeah. experience.
1: Nobody made that case to me. If, if someone had made that case, yeah. maybe I would have. Uh,
0: I made the case to myself, though. Well, fuck you. Thing
1: show off.
0: No, but I mean, no, I think (laughs) this is the thing that there there are certain miscreants in the society that just realize well, fuck this bullshit that I'm being told. Yeah. These books can get me out of the situation. See, I
1: didn't really figure that out until I was 21.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean,
0: well, uh, well, I
1: checked out. I remember I was very young when I decided that adults were full of shit and that if you really had a serious question
0: that
1: you couldn't well, this is maybe no. This is well before. I know, but Catcher and
0: the just confirmed that there was someone else out yeah, there that felt yeah, that way too. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: so. yeah. But I mean, I I think I was like six or seven. Yeah, and and you know, I'd, I'd ask questions, and they the answers they gave me were just. I mean, even I knew they were full of shit. Yeah. You know, okay. and and after a while, I got really disappointed, and, and I realized. But of course, I learned that I couldn't voice that
0: opinion because they got pissed off Well, yeah. they just stopped talking to you so i just yeah.
1: learned to shut up
0: yeah yeah all those people are now dead heron they don't exist in any meaningful <laughs> way well
1: you know oh god it's such an amazing yeah such an amazing world when you look at all this stuff and and yeah. and try to figure out i mean I really – I don't know how – I don't believe this stuff, but, I mean, it really does seem to me that, you know, within – certainly within your lifetime, and I'm thinking in the next 20 to 30 years, you know, the, 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 the amount of change may just be unfathomably. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know. I live in hope. My my hope is that some of the air particles that I push at least can <laughs> inspire people to – uh
1: yeah, to consider yeah. what they could do. Well, the thing is, see, that's the thing is, this waking up from the trance of language only takes a second, mm. you know, and it doesn't take all that much intelligence either. Really. Once you've done
0: that, <laughs> then comes the realization. Well, then you, you
1: got the work. Then the work, then the, work the, the work becomes ava- you know, yeah. available to you. But without, without, but it's got, it's still got to start from that point. Yeah, you know, and that only takes a second. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Then the then the real work begins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's the end of all the old bullshit
0: stuff and, yeah.
1: but it's just it, it solves all those problems but it creates a whole new set of more interesting problems Yeah.
0: well with that Heron, I think I'm going to conclude this evening and for okay. our loyal stone listeners some will be meeting me but we are going to be uh, off recordings for a while Five different locations. I'm meeting a bunch of people who are family members who I've never met previously, who are second and third cousins.
1: Barbalays. Um Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, they're all on my father's side. Some are on my... Um, no, they're all actually... They're all up to Shilkraut's, which is my great-great-grandmother's name. There's some sec- third cousins on the Shilkraut line. Uh, but, yeah, most of them are Barbelays. They're my grandfather's sister's children. People who are now completely in contact with me through Facebook and all these other things. Some of whom I even have their DNA, <laughs> like literally in systems to check divine yeah. mind, what have you. The listeners, I mentioned Tim, Joe the drummer, uh, Bob Mottram's a Stone Ape listener, Andy Dixon, who posts periodically on the Stone Ape Facebook page. Yeah, I
1: recognize the name.
0: My childhood friend Alex Brooks, who listens to Stone Ape periodically, who I see periodically. And probably a couple of additional folk but I'm just working on now. Yeah. I'll take whatever photos I can, maybe some video footage and yeah. uh, Yeah. Bob Mottram, I'm seeing for only an hour on his lunch break, um, but that's just the way it fitted together. Yeah. So we'll try to condense as much as possible in that time. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be quite amazing. Anyway, Heron, I will talk to you. Sometime in the future at a prearranged time and uh yeah, let's keep it mysterious and interesting and no doubt I will have plenty of updates for those. Yeah, the you'll things. have
1: lots of stories, I'm sure.
0: I'll try to I'll try to maximize stories.
1: Okay, I'll talk to you then. Take care. Bye.